0: Hello there and welcome to another edition of Ayahuasca Talks. We are broadcasting out of lovely downtown Toronto and I have a guest with me today, Angela Bank. Um, Say hello, Angela. Hi, everyone. (laughs) There she is. And we had a great discussion before we agreed to, uh, to have this more formal discussion um, on Ayahuasca Talks, and what came up a great deal was parenthood. So we're going to be talking about parenthood today, and um, as many of you know, I've been working with medicines for quite a while now. If anybody wants to reach me, they can do so at RebeccaHayden.com or visit our Facebook page, Ayahuasca Talks Radio Show. And um, so Angela is an ayahuasca integration coach, and she's just going to tell us a little bit more about how she came to the medicine and the work that she does
1: today. Go ahead, Angela. Thanks. Thanks so much for that introduction, Rebecca. I'm so happy to be here and uh, share this conversation with you. I feel like um, it really helps to um, help people introduce them to the medicine if they haven't already been introduced to it or you know, help them understand from people who've been working with the medicine for a while. Um, So Ayahuasca called me about five years ago when I went and was on my spiritual pilgrimage in Europe. And so people started to mention what this medicine was, and it piqued my interest. I had never heard of it before that. And if I did, it didn't, you know, click for me. And um, she actually brought me through my first Medicine before I actually even ever drank the medicine, so I went through my entire first ceremony of healing in dream time, and that just makes me feel like I was really deeply connected with her, probably in another life. Um, so it's just been ongoing that relationship and how it's grown and blossomed and and how she just keeps calling me deeper and deeper to um, work with her and work with her with others. Um, right. She's been specifically instructing me to um, help people. So she's really been like wind to my back um, as far fantastic. as pushing me up. Yeah, pushing me up and out into the ayahuasca world, which is, you know, in the beginning, even just like last year, was very, very scary for me. To, I guess, be seen as that or step into that energy, or it just feels like it's a lot of responsibility. um, Let's talk about someone that that hasn't worked with that. You're okay with that?
0: Absolutely. I'd love to discuss that. Because I, you know, first of all, I think that, uh, well, I I personally identify with that, and I don't think that we're the only ones out there. (laughs) And no matter what she's calling you to do, it can be daunting because she asks us to get over. Um, a lot of fears that many of us have about doing things that are very much what we're about at our core. And uh, we're not used to following that, you know, deeper sense that we have. We're used to logically working things out and doing things according mm-hmm. to, uh, to uh, circumstances and things like that uh, instead of, you know, tapping, uh, tapping in to our internal knowing and, and, and also, you know, following the guidance of an experience in a higher consciousness like ayahuasca. And I was surprised, and I'm sure you are too, that something that you, that really resonates with you, you find hard to do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it ch- Yes. Yes. That it challenges you to the core of your being and really asks, pieces and parts of you to be stripped away sometimes in a way that is is very daunting so yes (laughs) it is
0: surprising though it's funny because a a lot of our lives we know something's wrong when we're not really doing something that we feel deeply called to do many of us work in ways that that is doesn't resonate deeply with us and that's a common situation and I know that myself and many others have wished for this opportunity to, to work in an area where we feel inspired and and something that deeply resonates with us. And then here it comes along and we have such difficulty with it. I, I was so surprised. <laughs> yes. I thought, what is going on here? I'm making up. A, 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 there was a million reasons why I, I felt like I, I shouldn't be doing this, you know, and, and it mm-hmm. took a while to come out of that closet and just... You know, say, well, I got to do this.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's really profound. Do people really long for that? Like, oh, well, where's my purpose? Or I want my purpose. And then when it literally is like shown up on a platter, like here you go, like like yep. take this, step into this. And and then there's this reluctancy of like, oh, but like okay, are you that. sure? <laughs> right, that feels. That feels like a lot.
0: Yeah. It's too good. It's too Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. Our brain just
1: plays all these tricks.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's, I I think, for many of us, that's one of the very first steps of integration. Um, For those of us who, uh, you know, experienced um, a calling from ayahuasca, experienced guidance to do something with our lives specifically, or an area in particular, that's the very first integrative step. It's like, okay, how do I actually go about, you know, taking those steps to, to accomplish, you know, what I know is my purpose or what I know that I'm being called to do. And, and if I'm honest with myself, what I would love to do, <laughs> I actually found that even hard to admit, you know, that I wanted to do that.
1: Does that resonate yeah, I- with you? Absolutely. I also feel like um, just that we have the similarity of being mothers, that it feels like it pairs really well with that energy as well. That sometimes you've had like this calling, you know, to be a parent or to be a mother. And then when it comes time to do it, I mean, there's just, everything comes up. Like, am I ready? Can I do this? I'm not prepared. How am I supposed to? And I feel like purpose and our longing and calling is really similar as far as how we're birthing that into the world. And it is, it's heavy. It's a big responsibility because it's similar to raising a child. At least it feels that way to me in my experience.
0: Oh, sure. I mean, even when we have imagery and, and a lot of people experience this um, birthing, you know, artists experience this all the time. People who have, um, who have had visions with ayahuasca and other journeying and even, you know, meditation this birthing thing comes up all the time when it's a huge project yeah. that's deeply meaningful. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, you're exactly right. The comparison with motherhood and, and how daunting that is and important and valuable and um, just something so deeply purposeful. Um, so yeah, that was, that was my first step is coming out of the closet. And then um, as you know, and many listeners may know this, Dialogue with ayahuasca continues, and she has been my coach (laughs) in this constant. um, And and I needed it desperately. I really did. Um, I made a lot of huge changes uh, after experiencing um, my first medicine, which was iboga, and I had started to develop a very different relationship with my son. And uh, it was it was all brand new again. You know,
1: (laughs) that's beautiful. Yeah.
0: Um, and I just was wondering, I know that we discussed particular stories about the ways in which we changed our, um, our relationships with, because you have a son too, right?
1: Yeah, I have. He's a teenager now. Yeah. So a lot of people that see me don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> which is <That's> wonderful. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, um, but, you know, he's aware of your work with the medicine, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. We talk about energy and chakras and I've actually been teaching him to meditate since he was two
0: with different
1: simple techniques. And yeah, he really, um, when he turned eight, he kind of cycled back around because that's when I did the spiritual pilgrimage. And when I came back, he was like eight, almost nine. And he just started kind of regurgitating all the stuff I had taught him because you don't know where, what lands with your kids, right? Exactly. I mean, they do Absorb a lot, but they absorb what they need to absorb to grow and create the person they're wanting to become, yeah, so when he started speaking about all of the stuff that I had taught him, it was just like I was blown away, like, wow, like that hit home or that meant something to you and and that was really beautiful to witness and experience, and um, yeah, I would say he probably thinks I'm a little weird <laughs> even, but he I feel like guessed it. <laughs> Right. And I feel like that's a part of also just being awkward as far as the teenage years of coming into your own. Have you ever had direct insight
0: within a ceremony about your relationship with your son?
1: I did. I, and it was wild because I didn't even ask for it, but I pray and meditate to always grow our relationship. So that's always, I feel like that's just going to pour into the medicine. And it did one night um, where I was working um, with a private ceremony, just myself with the medicine. And she put me in his body. <laughs> it was profound. Um, <sighs> we think that we remember what it's like to be a teenager, but we don't. I can say I didn't. You know, we think we remember. But we don't. I mean, the hormone changes and the body changes and the pain, emotional, physical, mental and the angst and and just where he's at, you know, I can only speak to him and and not generalize it. But I do know a lot of teenagers feel this way and go through this. Um, there was just such a battle going on inside of him, and it was it just brought up so much compassion that I That's wasn't wonderful. extending to him before, you know, because we're in the parent child like you know clean up your room do your homework just the (laughs) day-to-day grind that we forget I know like oh my god you're going through a life-altering experience yourself yeah and I and it just like it was like a full stop of like oh wow okay I need to like pay attention I need to connect with him like from a different place now that she kind of gave me that insight to drop deeper into my heart and really, you know, extend that compassion, which it was challenging. I don't feel like I was doing that to him probably enough. Yeah. Especially that I have a boy, you know, it was just, there's this, he's coming into being a man. And so there's this, this, it's conflict energy, not just in him, but outside that also comes up in our relationship. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah so I just really tuned in after that of okay, well, how is he reaching out to want to connect and let me meet him where he's reaching out and grow that so and, tell um, me
0: tell the story
1: that you told me about how that unfolded in a
0: practical way um,
1: so after that journey i it like clued in that he was connecting when I would drive him to the bus stop or drive him to school and I always was just like you're expecting this or I felt like there was an obligation there and I was like you can walk um it's it's not a block away it's like over a half a mile away so it's a good 15 minute walk you know it's a good couple minute drive and um and it just felt like he was having so much expectation and then I was like you know if you can do away with your expectation. Like I'm happy to do this. And it's like, as soon as we both got into that place in our hearts with doing it, it's like, I want to do it more often. And so now I drive him to the bus stop and that's where we connect. That's when he has time to open up and share. And, and there's these windows of times um, from a parent and child that, that they want to share and sometimes we're too busy or we're not getting that, like uh, we're not listening enough to pick up the cues mm-hmm. of like, this is where they're trying to reach out because this is the safe place for them. Cause that's what feels right for them and being able to honor that. And, and I wasn't picking up the cue.
0: Honestly.
1: Yeah. And mornings are
0: so busy for parents. And yeah. Kids. yeah, I, I have the secret resentment about all that. <laughs> I think that my son picks up on it. But he's making space for you. Like that was his intention, Mm -hmm. something that drew him toward that option. And as parents, we always jump to other conclusions because it's just a program, you know. We're doing the unconscious parenting Mm -hmm. thing because there's so much of our lives that seem driven in that way. Have to get this, have to get them out the door.
1: (laughs) Yeah, need to be on time for the bus stop. But he really started opening up with you in that time that you made for him. Yeah, and it actually, instead of just the bus stop, we're so close to the school that I started driving him to school more often, and just even my mood elevated, like my level of happiness elevated. So nice, huh? It was really interesting, yeah, how when we open up to that space, and then we're able to give that and meet that, how it actually grows that compassion and that happiness within us. Oh, absolutely.
0: Um, I remember, I mean, I get on the spot lessons with my son (laughs) and uh, it it was very surprising when this first started happening, but um, I very much was surprised to discover that unconscious parent that I was being. And I mean, you know, if you've ever had, I mean, most of us have our own ideas about what should and shouldn't have happened to us when we were kids from the standpoint of the parent. And then you become a parent and suddenly you're very understanding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. You, yourself- you laugh a lot more. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, yeah. And you find yourself in that position going, oh, wow, this is a lot to live up to. Um, but mm-hmm. I did find a lot of uh, programming coming out, just things coming out of my mouth going, oh, my God, is that really me? It can't be, you know. And there's this schedule that you're on and you're just so locked in there. And uh, and it took a, a great effort, you know, to, to move myself out of that. But uh, my son helped a great deal because, you know, they aren't there. They're in their own state. And he was a lot younger at this point. This is something I'm going to tell you a story about what happened a few years ago. And this is something I think I shared with you already that, oh, he had his... Um, his, uh, scooter and we were in a store. And of course there's the rule of you no know, riding the scooter in the store. And, and I've told him this, but when I walk ahead of him, sometimes he sneaks on it, you know, cause he's a kid and he does stuff like that. And mm-hmm. one day we were in a store and there was other people who were giving me dirty looks and I turned around and of course there he was on his scooter. And, and, you know, I, I had some words with him and I think that they probably came out in, in a harsh way. And um, there was me just kowtowing to the whole, Oh, I have to live up to this, be a good, uh, or a stern parent or, a, you know, um, live up to the expectations of others who are giving me those dirty looks instead of, you know, ignore that and not fall victim mm-hmm. to that and, and be, you know, a consistent kind, you know, <laughs> person to my son. Instead, I, I just reverted, you know, and, and started with this. Oh, come on, Evan, I've told you this before and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, obviously there was a tone there that was really unpleasant for him uh, to, th- to say the least because I heard about it when we got out the store. You know, he called me on it and he looked at me and he said something to the effect of, I just need to know that I'm loved. And it just, wow. everything <laughs> stopped, you know. hmm and I just had to see how my automatic programming kicked in there and how irrelevant and and petty it was in the face of this child that, you know, this is obviously the most important thing that there is for him to know that he's loved. And all the rest is just such nonsense, you know, in comparison to that big, important message. And I got it loud and clear. And I thanked him, you know, for... For saying that to me, and anyway, on and on we go.
1: You know, the lesson. And this is such important, but, but no, but this is such an important lesson. You know, not just that the kids need to be loved, because we all, and this goes to some of the work that I do. We all have inner child in us that still needs that from time to time: that connection, that acknowledgement, that attention, that affection of. I just need to know I'm loved because we're not even doing that for ourselves often of stopping, dropping into heart and just acknowledging that. Absolutely. That heart space, that love. And that's what I feel like the medicine's core teaching is for all of us. That's why people go back again and again of just, I don't know that you can soak up enough, right? It's, it's a very fundamental
0: need that we have so devalued. In this world, and yeah, yeah, it is the most powerful thing that there is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is really one of the topics we want to talk about is is how powerful that is. Um, but and you know the way that we relate to that is through relationships. Although being in a state of love can be achieved in in a, in a bigger way without any reference to anybody in particular. And we've had those experiences with the medicine, right? The heart opening. Mm -hmm. and everybody knows when they're experiencing it how powerful it is and and just Mm -hmm. how much it could change everything (laughs) and it does (laughs) it does yeah like it's a healing in and of itself to actually have that experience because before you have that experience you have no frame of reference to it you don't know that it's possible Mm -hmm. to feel that way until it happens and then and then you have you have your anchor, right? You know, you have something mm-hmm. to relate it to, to relate everything to, to compare everything to, to put everything into perspective. And it's 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 no small task to do that in your life. Um, that's the ultimate integration: is to bring everything into that resonance of love.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that frequency.
0: Yeah, but these essential relationships that we have, like family relationships and and partner relationships, and relationships with our kids, these are the ones that we that we get the lessons through because they're the mm-hmm, most absolutely right? yeah,
1: are the, <laughs> oh, <laughs> the closest yes. mirrors. Oh, the closest mirrors. Yeah, talk about
0: that. The mirror. <laughs> 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 I've looked at my son sometimes, and it's just the perfect mirror, you know.
1: And it's yeah, not our children are,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, they, and I've said that, I said that often, you know, our children are our greatest teachers if we let them, right, if we can really just let them oh, yeah. show us the way, yeah. um, and there's yeah, a great yeah, book would. called The Conscious yeah. Parent that also touches on a lot of this stuff of how Ooh. our children are mirroring that relation, that deeper relationship on a heart level, from heart to heart this touches on uh,
0: so many themes, Uh, the very first journey that I went on was without medicine, but it was in a shamanic um, training that I was experiencing. And what I came out of that with was many things, but the one thing that was consistent, I did have this sort of guidance, but it wasn't always a voice. It was more um, a sense. So I would ask questions. Why is that person being that way? Why this? Why that? Blah, blah, blah. And the answer mm-hmm. was always presented to me as a mirror.
1: <laughs> mm. Wow. Every time right. I asked
0: that question, you know, a mirror yeah. would be presented to me. And eventually it accomplished what it was meant to do, which was to make me start to ask questions about myself rather than everybody else, which was really good. Mm-hmm. And of course, yeah. Ayahuasca picked up on that theme and went deeper with it. But it was, it was a great lesson. And then, of course, I have my son who is the perfect mirror.
1: <laughs> Yeah, ayahuasca has equally brought me, um, to a medicine woman that works with mirror. Like she put, she has mirrors on her altar when uh, we go into ceremony, which has been really powerful as far as being able to recognize that and honor the mirror space. Um, so that's been a really unique experience to bring even that energy a little bit deeper with, um, ceremony and the medicine work I've done with her. So you've looked in the mirror when you're in ceremony? Um, I only have when I've been in the bathroom, but we <laughs> did ceremony with, <laughs> we've done ceremony with um, younger girls. That um, So it was a mixed medicine ceremony. Um, so I won't go into too much details with that. But with, yes, there was mirror work done with the younger girls, which was reflecting also like on my younger girl that was living in me that needed to hear those words. Lovely. so it was it was like a threefold reflection it was really powerful mm-hmm.
0: so what do you think they walked away with from that experience what essential lesson that they could apply with to their lives did they walk away with after that do you think
1: what sense? i feel you- like a stronger sense of self i feel like that that is um there's so much uh, richness and ritual that's missing with our young adults, and it helps them anchor into the new self that's wanting to come forward that's wanting to separate like from the family unit to discover who they are yeah. in relationship to the world
0: I feel like this is what is the biggest most glaring missing piece in our education as kids is we don't really focus on us at all. We disappear to ourselves. And that's why we get into mm-hmm. this habit of looking uh, externally for answers and for um, guidance for what to do and where to go and how to behave. And that's why it's a big job for the medicines and for our you know spiritual tools and modalities to take us back to to focusing on ourselves. And it's not always in a negative way. It's not... Like you're to blame. It's, you know, here are the answers. And and there's, Mm there's, there's a whole cache of wonder inside of you and power,
1: you know, and that's where we need to focus. And that's why yeah and I'm having this come up a lot with a lot. It's like a theme with a lot of my clients, and I'm sure for myself because i'm I'm working on myself through my clients. sure <laughs> that of course. that mirror is hundred percent there. I get to heal as they heal, I get to grow as they grow. absolutely um and but yeah, self- empowerment is a really big theme right now, collectively, individually. I'm seeing it with a lot of people. Well,
0: I think it's part of our evolution. You know, as as a society, it's a part of the evolution of humanity, I believe. The medicines, it's a consistent theme over and over again. And when you think about it, um, you know, uh, trying to make change externally has really involved a lot of oppressive ideas and, a, and aggression and forcing people mm-hmm. to do what you think they should be doing. And once you focus inward, everything changes, right? All of that drops away and you see... Um, the futility of that and you start to see the power of, of doing it the other way around, <laughs> of changing yourself. And it, at the beginning, because of the way that we are slanted in a way, the way that we're oriented, oh, yeah. the it doesn't sound like much, but once you start doing that work, you see that power. Yeah. Um, with respect to parenting and love, you know, when you have this baby, it's so easy. I mean, it's challenging in a lot of physical ways, but, you know, a baby is just all such full Pure of love. Pure love. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then they start getting older and they they start to reflect what's around them. They have attitude mm-hmm. and they have tantrums and they have all of these other things. And it gives us an opportunity to grow. And it's not a relationship you... I mean, generally speaking, most people don't really feel they have an option to walk away from. So it's like, you know, this is the greatest opportunity to grow because of the the intimacy there. And I think mm-hmm. that, yeah, he has been a very strong guide for me. And it's not always been about, um, it's not always the same lesson. You know, I remember one time he was going through this phase of, of, uh, you know, anger and frustration and, and, you know, that awful thing in public where they're starting to get testy and you're, you can't help but be aware of the, f- the fact that it's more than a little awkward that all of this is playing out in public and they know it. They're fully aware of it, kids are, right? <laughs> they use it right. for the best possible advantage. And so I, I was constantly trying to keep a lid on that and wait to get home and this and that. and And then it's so stressful that by the time I got home, I just wanted to drop it you know, and one night I remember ayahuasca saying, no, you can't, you know, you can't do that because that's sending the wrong message to him, you know? And so I asked, well, what, what do I need to do? You know, send him to his room. And it's like, well, he's going to explode. And it's like, let him explode, <laughs> you know, <laughs> let him do that. That's important. And so I did. And by that time, I was, um, it's great when, when I, I get these, sort of directions because it takes me out of myself, you know, and it puts me more into mm-hmm. a, a different state, you know? So I calmly just said to him, I'm sorry, honey, but you're going to have to go to your room. And of course he did, you know, but I felt so much better about it because something in me clicked and all of this, all these memories of, of kind of being afraid of outbursts from a very young age came through, you know, um, I was, my family, there were a lot of explosions like that. And and I was always duck and cover, you know, (laughs) my response. I wanted to do anything to avoid it. Um, And so it it was really important for me and important for him too, because, you know, that that's another form of love is is to guide him. Healthy boundaries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not to be that person. You know, if I allowed him away Mm -hmm. with that, he wouldn't grow up to be you know, the person who I know can be respectful and and loving and and also aware of himself. I mean, he's got his own little mirror too, right? We need to be that for them as well.
1: Absolutely. That is that is a demonstration of that I love you. No, you can't stay up all late, all night. Exactly. Like I don't care if your friends are doing that. I love you. And this is me demonstrating that I care for your well being and your nourishment and your health. And even when I have to explain it out of like, well, this is why there's a boundary, because and this is why it's healthy to have yeah. that, you know. Yeah. And so this is what it we're really puts into perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah, and that's so important because you know, I think that as we know and as we learn with the medicine and through other ways that um at a very early age, we started to equate these, these things, this equals love. And, and a lot of those equations are just so incredibly unhealthy, you know, yes. <laughs> and it's just dead wrong. Right. And we have Case to take point of like it.
1: the way people eat too. Oh, oh this yeah. is me loving myself eating like a bunch of donuts and cookies. And it's like, no, it's not. Or no, no. Yeah. I feel like the, the meter's gone way in one direction.
0: And so many, uh, I think that a lot of us are waking up to that and seeing beyond the diets and this and that, that, you know, it, it goes deeper. It, it It is something that we're trying to nourish ourselves and we're just doing it in the wrong way.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And how we're addressing it is the opposite. Um, but, you know, another thing occurred to me, obviously the child within is something we learn a lot about in ayahuasca. And I remember one time, and, and it shapes who, who we become, right? And it shapes all that work
1: <laughs> that mm-hmm. we ultimately
0: are, are met with as an adult. And uh, I remember one time being with Evan and, and hearing this voice just tell me, you are, you are creating the basis of all of his relationships for the rest mm-hmm. of his life right now. That's what you're doing. You know, talk about pressure. <laughs> Talk about it yeah, daunting—the weight
1: of that responsibility. Like what?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh God, how can I run away from yeah. this? But it's the truth of it just landed on me, and I thought that this is absolutely true. And I could see those dynamics playing out between the two of us, and how they arise in relationships with adults, and I, I just all of it—it it, it was so clear and and so sudden. And it just made me have to really be more conscious in how I responded to him and the ways that, that I was with him. And it's just it's an ongoing thing, of course, but that message, I'll never forget it. it was, And it's the truth
1: of, of all of us as parents and
0: kids. And we're caught between. Yeah, because
1: when we grow up, we tend to either attract people that are like, like for men, I would attract people that are like my dad or the opposite. Sometimes we'll go to the complete extreme opposite, you know, if that wasn't healthy or, and, and, and then even in the opposites, you still have all of those qualities because oh, it's yeah. just the way it works.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. The big Freudian trip, right? <laughs> <laughs> I interviewed Dr. Rachel Harris, who wrote a book called Listening to Ayahuasca and um, we, we actually, I had her on the podcast too, and so we had a discussion about, and she was talking about a woman we knew, who, or she knew actually, who um, had an abusive father or um, an alcoholic father, I think. And then she, of course, married a man that was very similar. And, you know, here we are in the process of cultivating these tendencies in, in our children, in another human being. And, and it is a very weighty thing but um it is but talk about changing the world right
1: <laughs> changing <laughs> one soul at a time <laughs> yeah
0: and and changing another person i mean you know i i remember being a very critical person of of so many things oh my goodness and and when you realize the immense work you have to do to change so many of these things um, i i think that that changes a great deal i'm no longer so judgmental like that because uh well mm. <laughs> I've seen all these things within myself and and I've experienced it play out and yeah now I'm just trying to do my own work and and
1: if it helps others all the better, right? Absolutely. yeah, just showing up and being you and and it definitely impacts others when we do that.
0: You know, and there's this issue as a parent, um there's always these disciplinary issues where we do have to do the, you know, love them from, from the perspective of, I love you and I'm not going to let you away from away with that because this is not cultivating a, a, a good, healthy way to be. Um, but there's, there's, there's also so much more that goes into that relationship. Like, um, we want respect from kids, and I think that we forget that they deserve respect too, you know? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It's, it's not a one-way street, and I feel like even the, the teachers that teach them will sometimes act like that too, and, and I don't, they've listened so much more when you're extending that out first of it's like, a- you are valuable. You are enough just as you are. I respect you. I honor you. I listen to you they're going to open up when you're extending from that space.
0: That's a big cycle, isn't it? The school experience and how that, how that goes and how authoritarian it, it tends to be and, and how that plays out in our lives too. I remember when it was time for my son to go to school, I, I had a lot of issues with it. You know, I, I had all these experiences bottled up inside of me that were really yeah. not, not positive And, and, uh, it's something that I I still have to reevaluate all the time in terms of his experience with that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And I don't know, are most schools set up in, in a respectful way toward students, toward kids?
1: No, not at all. I would love to see that they could grow into becoming that.
0: Yeah. I think that there's a mindful movement that's really powerful and that will hopefully change things with these things. Well, they never seem to change fast enough. <laughs> once you, <Yeah. laughs> once you kind of got hold of how powerful it is and important and all the rest of it, you just want it to all change so quickly. But
1: it, it's just been. You've got to keep but- holding the vision. Keep holding the vision. That's what I tell anyone, regardless if you are working with the medicine or not working with the medicine. We still can hold the vision. We can still dream and birth a new way of being and creating that in our reality. And what I mean by like holding a vision is you're just, you're not just holding it from like your third eye or like if your eyes are closed and seeing that regardless if you're a visual person or if it's just an idea or a thought or a dream, but you're linking that with your heart because Mm -hmm. that's the frequency, right? That we're wanting to put out into the world growing from that place of that this can lead because when it does like, wow, life gets good. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is consistent theme that runs through um, our communications, our dialogue and yeah, and it all comes back to the same thing. It's very funny because um, a lot of the work that I do uh, revolves around intentions. So um, I was early on given um, a tool, these oils to work with to create daily intentions and it really changed a lot for me because uh, it really uh, allows you to see that you're in the driver's seat and to, to do that, um, you know, very deliberately, very, very intentionally (laughs) to start to, you know, stand in that place and say, okay, I am the one that is making these things happen or not. So I started to create these intentions and it became a very powerful thing in my life. And it allowed me to take responsibility on on so many levels, right?
1: Yes, yes. I definitely believe and feel being 100% responsible is a game changer. And I teach a lot of intentional and creating intentions and just harnessing the power of that in our daily lives. Because I feel like On a creative level, just in everyday life, we tend to be really lazy with the way that we kind of go about life and the way that we're thinking about our life. And and when we can actually, just like planting a seed, you, you don't just, you know, some people do with wildflowers, just go and throw seeds into a field and then they'll grow. But when you are intentionally planting a seed, because to me, ayahuasca always comes back to that plant metaphor of. We're intentionally planting it, and then we're having a garden maybe a row of carrots and a row of onions or a row of kale, and it still will grow and, and flourish and grow beyond the bounds or the container. Mm-hmm. But we've created an intention by planting it, and then we can harvest it.
0: Oh, yeah. And They're it's the
1: powerful. same thing with our thoughts and our feelings, and, the, and our thoughts and feelings are driving our actions, those are the fuel that we feed.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: um, a lot of people aren't doing that. Like, you know, you have a first thought that you wake up with, what is it? Cause that really like, that's an intention. Pretty much all of our thoughts and feelings are intentions. So when we start to harness them, get really clear, focused and direct them, like when you pull a, a bow and arrow and launch it, there's going to be, um, clearer focus and uh, clearer clear result. Yeah, in the morning—that's yeah. a very
0: magical time. That—that's what I do into my intentions too. Um, but it was interesting what what, and and we can talk more about that for sure. But I remember the reason why I brought it up was because, eventually, after doing this over a period of years daily with ayahuasca, she finally kind of revealed to me, saying, "You know, no matter, all roads lead to love." <laughs> so no matter what yeah. your intention is that's the answer you know
1: but mm-hmm.
0: is you know it's it's don't stop creating those intentions with the themes that you do those things that you desire in life those things that you would like to get accomplished those um you know those goals you have but just know that the answer to every single one of those questions expressed desires wishes is love <laughs> that's that's going to get you yeah. you
1: know wherever and that's it what, when in in one of my um, recent journeys, she also brought up like the question, what, you know, like she'll take me through a scene and then it's like, I'd hear the question, what would love have you do? So it's yeah. like, whatever the problem is, that's the solution. Like just coming back to that, what would love have me do? Yeah. It's difficult to do that
0: sometimes when we're in tough spots. So. Um, there's a lot of tools that, that we can use, you know, to kind of get us out of that stuck, cut space and allow mm-hmm. us to, to realign in that way. Um, I don't know, is, are there some tools that you can, that you've had success with and that you recommend to others?
1: Yeah, I constantly repeat the drop into your heart because it literally takes seconds. And doing that multiple times a day, because you could be in traffic dropping into your heart you know, when you wake up in the morning, you're dropped, like, and I tell people putting your hand on your heart and rarely feeling the pulse or even seeing like this golden white light center in that place. It's just that leading energy, bringing that forth. And, um, I've had people repeatedly come back to me and saying that's so powerful, such a powerful exercise. That's great. just taking that moment. It's like less than taking a breath of dropping yeah. into that space. Yeah. And I mean, it just shows you that we do
0: really, you know, we're we're in the driver's seat of these things. We can do it. And tools are just mm-hmm. there to, to kind of demonstrate that, you know. Um, with me, there was a lot of visual tools that I was given. And uh, a lot of initially when I was having all kinds of reactions, because I was doing a lot of deep work about my past and, you know, early traumas and things like that. Uh, when I would go into those spaces in my mind, of course, I'd, I'd have all kinds of reactions and it would be very reflective <laughs> in what was happening in my life at the time. And um, I, I, I'd i already started to have these, you know, visions when I closed my eyes. And so Ayahuasca would present me with figures or images that that gave me the opportunity to move my attention elsewhere, you know, and to get out of that state so that I could revisit it in a better way. And then, um, and, and she would do this for me. And then eventually she asked me to do it myself, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and so I would, give, my favorite one was the wave. I'd come up with this wave to wash all of those thoughts away. <laughs> and I found that just the easiest thing, I don't know, to conjure up in my mind, the image of it or the idea of it. It doesn't even matter if you can see any of this stuff. It's just, it's just the thought itself
1: and the intention and behind it that's really beautiful because that I feel like that's the way the medicine works as well. Like she comes in waves.
0: Uh Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And And I mean, for another person, it might be an entirely different image. You know, there are people who get very technical, and when mm-hmm. i described this to somebody to many people they kept telling me oh that's nlp you know and and then i actually had someone on the show who who studied this deeply and he uses it as an integrative tool and and i'm studying it mm-hmm. now officially um as as part of my hypnosis studies which is another great tool um to use uh throughout the integrative process but anyway it's it's something that's accessible we can all do it you know um, there, are, there are deeper ways of doing it, of course, and, and all of them are, are valuable and valid, but sometimes even just hearing um, the imagery that, that you shared with us, and obviously people have been successful at doing that, and I know others have used the wave. At one point, I started to actually teach kids how to do this, and of course, I shared it with my son. <laughs> and kids love this stuff right because it's it's their world yeah.
1: they're all in that creative space. and that's beautiful too because i've taught that um, um i've taught guided meditation for about 15 years and i've used that similar the wave analogy um to express our emotional landscape to people a lot and it really really is transformative so does your son use any of these tools I don't know if he actively does right now, Yeah, <laughs> um, but I do feel like he probably, it's just like anything when we have a bunch of tools in our tool bag, we'll use them intermittently and sometimes we use them consistently. Sometimes we put something away and forget about it for a while and then we're like, oh, hey, this is, this is great. I'm going to start using this again. Yeah. Why did I ever stop? <laughs> I yeah. Oh, I know. And I think that that's, you know, that
0: that's probably just um, really a healthy cycle, like just to, to change it up sometimes. And that's what we mm-hmm. And we'll grow Absolutely. in and out of
1: tools. And yeah, for sure. And um, I teach that a lot, like with the work that I do. And even with meditation that you can mix it up. It doesn't have to be the same thing every day.
0: Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that we do need change. Yeah, but um, I think that what I'm finding is a lot of people they want to to make that deeper connection with, that you do with ayahuasca, without having to go back and back all the time. And I think that that's that's very possible. Um, mm-hmm. Is that what you find that you do with meditation? Absolutely, yes. So, is there a way for people who are not used to meditating and 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 haven't really—that's not been part of their lives—and want to integrate and connect in that way? How would you how would you instruct them? And I mean, this is a, a quick instruction, obviously, but is there something that you can offer
1: our audience as a way to to connect in that way? Yeah, I just have people stop and take three deep breaths and. Just follow the cycle of the breath. Just breathing in, holding it for three seconds, and then exhale for five seconds. So breathing in for the count of one, two, three, hold for one, two, three, and exhale very rhythmic and slow for five. One, two, three, four, five. And then this is just helping to train the body just to sink into the breath a little bit deeper, letting the body relax from any stress that's been going on. So you can let your adrenals relax, let the mind have something to do because the mind needs a job often mm-hmm. so that the business of the thoughts can, I, I say it can be similar to like a train station Our thoughts are coming and going or similar to weather, you know, the weather rolls in and it's very stormy. There's a lot going on. But eventually, when we drop into the heart space or the breath and the body and we let that lead, the mind will, as a byproduct, start to calm because you're giving it a job of sinking into that space. And um, that's, that's what I feel like people have forgotten as they're letting their minds lead instead of their heart and their body. And so you do but this of also... attention. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's profound, just like taking a couple of breaths. It's like can shift everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When we and just slow down in that space, create space. It's like um, in the orchestra, it's the space between notes that actually creates the song. It creates the dance. Mm-hmm. It's the space in between.
0: Yes. Um, I've often heard ayahuasca describe it as, you know, there's these very wise themes that flow throughout so many different belief systems and um, the ones that don't focus on a deity but on our own personal power, you know, and this within, you know, go within. And I've been very curious about that from the beginning. I mean, that's what launched me on this whole journey. And it seems that all of those things that we express a desire for or we're moving towards are there within us. And it's just a matter of navigating and shedding and getting beneath all of the stuff, the layers that are between um, our conscious mind and that deeper place. It's
1: the, it's the process of revealing.
0: Yeah.
1: Of so revealing.
0: And so once we go into a medit- meditative state, that really is, is the act of, of, of doing that, right? Mm hmm of reaching that deeper state do you ever do it um as a i mean i don't want to say coping mechanism but do you ever do it when you find yourself in challenging situations and you do it just you Oh
1: set- absolutely it helps me reset yeah i mean like literally before the medicine came into my life i would hands down say meditation saved my life Mhm yeah so um as a child i did it without I think knowing what I was doing, I just would get silent and be in nature. And then as an adult, I started to be a lot more conscious with being able to have the out-of-body experiences or the higher level meditation experiences. And and it really, when I came to the medicine, having a really solid meditation foundation, which I know a lot of people don't, and I understand that. And I think that's also why she's really called me to teach is because it really helps you navigate the medicine um, when you come up against the parts that um, you're having trouble letting go. Because overall, I would say I've struggled with surrendering and meditation has helped me because I have a really strong, dominant ego (laughs) that I had to come up against again and again. So I've struggled with that. So it's definitely hands down saved my life. Meditation again and again. Oh yeah, I can relate to that. I had a whole year,
0: um, more than a year, and it still happens now, but this was, it was just so consistent. One year began with the message of surrender. And every time I connected within to reestablish this dialogue with ayahuasca, that's the answer, surrender. All day, all night, yeah. every day,
1: yeah, every, yeah. <laughs> over a year.
0: It still happens, but now it's just like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's the soundtrack of our, of our communication. I, I, I don't disregard it. I just know it's all part of, the theme of our, of our relationship. But at the beginning, when this started, it was like, oh my God, what does that mean? What is that? I, <laughs> I went into research mode. You know, I didn't quite know what I was expected to do, and.
1: It was mm-hmm. not a doing thing. It was a not doing mm-hmm. thing, you know. And but it, like our minds have to feel like it's doing something. Yeah.
0: You know, <laughs> okay. I think that we do have the answers to to everything really. And it's a matter of allowing them to come. And we really just mm-hmm. get in the way. Yeah. And a lot of these tools are to get mm-hmm. out of the way. In fact, when you're mm-hmm. driving, um, how you go into a meditative state is very similar to hypnosis, actually. I think a lot of these tools yes. are bringing us to the same place through different means.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yep. it's really Absolutely. all about connecting within. I know hypnosis has a bad reputation because, you know, it's been used in the media and in movies and stuff to imply that someone else has control. But it's, it's, it's a total farce, really, <laughs> because all yeah. a hypnotist does is facilitate someone reaching that level. and um, Sometimes it's easier when somebody else is is using these incredibly proven um, uh, techniques, you know, but ultimately, I think that meditation is is a very similar tool, and there are lots of these tools to bring us back to a place where we can do things consciously and not unconsciously parent and react. That was another thing that that uh was uh, a really um, a whole avenue of growth is is to stop. And stop being in that reactive state, especially as a parent. Oh my goodness,
1: I'm sure you can relate to that. Yes, dropping into the heart, <laughs> reminding <laughs> myself, dropping into the heart. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean that—that's these triggers that happen again relate all to early childhood, and it's—it's it's ironic. There you are, being the parent, and you—you still got this inner child that's battling it out too. So. Mm-hmm really the work that we're doing, um, integrating these experiences and, um, forming the intention to, to adjust our lives, to really honor the things that we're learning. It's, it's, um, there's a reason why they use the words, you know, warrior and, and, and these kinds of words, because we're caught between, you know, we're bearing the weight of all the influence of, of our early experience with our parents. And, uh, and then we're we're being the parents, you know, and we're being the people who navigate those relationships differently, and and we're we're stuck between, you know, being that powerful person, you know, um, navigating the responses to all of that programming, and and working, mm-hmm. um, working in a way that we're no longer vulnerable to it, we're no longer reactive to it, and we're no longer affected in a negative way by it and then developing that strength to, to move forward in relationships in entirely different ways, really. I mean, that's yeah, I
1: often been, feel like I'm a bridge between worlds. Yeah.
0: And I think that really we, we all are potentially. And, and once we, we take that on intentionally and do that, yeah, that's the work. That's really the heart of the work. And, of course, doing all of that from a position of love. Mm-hmm. Do you find um when you talk to clients about love or people who you're working with about love um i i remember having my own responses to this early on um one of the first experiences i ever had with ayahuasca um i think it may have been you know the second ceremony or third at the the latest she said you know Love is the most powerful thing in the world. There's the most powerful thing that there
1: is. And And when we say it, it feels so underrated.
0: Yeah, it does. Because, I mean, all my life, it was almost like positioned as a weakness, as if somebody's Mm -hmm. soft-hearted, they're not strong, you know. And Mm -hmm. this is a lot of conditioning um, that we're up against. Mm And and it takes time to undo that and it has to be deliberate. It can't be, oh, that's nice, you sit with it. Um it has to be that's the, that's what we acted upon. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, the relationships all around us and the experiences that we have in, in social situations, they challenge that, you know. So it, it has to be a continual um sort of recommitment to doing that and the belief that it is a powerful thing I think really is a good way uh, to motivate us to do that.
1: Yeah, I often use the imagery of the mountain. Like it literally feels like it would move a mountain for me when I'm in alignment with that energy. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to effort. I'm not pushing up to move something that feels immovable because love literally will like move it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think we've all been in situations where we felt the truth of it. And I mean, I know that as a mother, I mean, it's proved its <laughs> its power again over. Again and again. Over. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Many, many times yeah. over. And yeah. this is something that we teach, I right? Know. I mean, I, this was not taught to me when I was a kid. You would think it's a, it's no. a obvious thing, especially you know because my parents were religious but that the focus was not really on love mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> as it's much on as on it, rules it's, yes yeah
0: exactly yeah. and and a lot of judgment a whole lot mm-hmm. of judgment yeah yeah but it's good that we're getting back to it and you know it's a good place to start if you're feeling in your life that it's running you and you're getting carried away into many different directions you know, getting back to that place of agreeing that yes. you know you're going to that this is going to be your anchor, that love is going to be yes. the position you wanna to, to approach life from. That's what I
1: say often, just anchor into the truth of your heart. It knows the way. Yeah.
0: And then you're never mm-hmm. gonna be working against yourself or anybody else. Mm-hmm. And and that even when, you know, we we sometimes have to um, demonstrate our love by saying no, you know, by saying, you know, go to your room and and have your tantrum. It's still coming Mm -hmm. from that position of love. That's another misconception that I think that we have a lot of the time is we think that that, that when we say no, or when we do something that we know that, uh, or we feel, or we're afraid that won't be well-received or that another person might not like, if we're genuinely coming from the position of love, it's incredibly powerful. Well, we're coming to the end of our time, and I know that we had really um, scratched the surface, really, of unconditional love, but I'm sure we'll get another opportunity to explore that in future shows. Thank you, Angela, so much for joining me, and I would love to give our audience an opportunity to, uh, to find a way to reach you. Can you
1: uh, tell us where you can be found? Yeah, they can find me on my website at AngelaBank.com. That's Angela, A-N-G-E-L-A, Bank, B-E-N-C-K.com. They can find me on Facebook under Integrative Coaching or my name and follow me. I'm on Instagram as well, or they can email me at Angela, AngelaBank.com. I'd love to hear from them. I've also created a free three-part meditation series For anyone that um, follows me, they can download that and get started if they need some extra help. Yeah. Wonderful.
0: Thanks again so much for joining us. And um, as for me. Thanks for um, having me. You're quite welcome. Um, Join us next time. We're going to put this up on the Facebook page. That's Ayahuasca Talks Radio Show. And you can reach me at RebeccaHayden.com or Rebecca.Hayden at gmail.com. And yeah. Come join us on Facebook. And uh, again, thank you so much, Angela.
1: Thanks. Take care and be well.